Thank you, preacher. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Kenny. How are you? Everybody, come on now, wake up. I gotta be real with you. The 8:30 service was more awake than that. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, I want to start by by um, introducing myself. My name is Kenny. Kenny Evans. Raise your hand if you've heard me speak or share my story before. Raise your hand high. Raise your hand if it's your first time. First-timers. Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand either time. Raise your hand if you don't know where you're at today. Anybody? So, Maya, uh, this, is, uh, this is my home church, uh, Milestone. Actually, my family and I, we go back all the way to the Ridgepoint days. Um, uh, my family is, uh, Marianne is my wife. She's here today. Give my wife some hand clap right there. Wave through the Disney wave. So, and then our oldest son is Tyler. You see him a lot doing the video announcements. Sometimes he's playing the drums. We have a son, Lane, that is 26 years old. Lane was one of the worship leaders at Milestone. He's now at LifeBridge Church in Loudoun as the worship leader. And then Savannah, our, our, my princess, our daughter, is here. Uh, she's led worship here before. She's a senior at Middle Tennessee State University. And her boyfriend, Grady, is here right now. Say hey to Grady. Yeah, anyway. Um, no, so i got to start by saying this, okay? I know that Pastor Robert, me and him are good friends. He's one of my best friends. Uh, we go way, 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 way back. We do fish a lot together. And when he talks about me fishing and hitting the spots three times before he gets to, usually it's because we're in my boat and I'm up front. That's just the way it works, okay? Amen? But I do got to tell you this. I mean, I'm... Yes, if I could just brag a little bit, normally I catch bigger fish than him. But I will promise you this. If you don't want to be embarrassed with a basketball, don't have a three-point shootout with Pastor Rob. Seriously, you may not know this, but Pastor Rob, and this is the truth, played high school basketball at Oak Ridge and actually held the three-point record for, what, 18 years or something? Is that right? It's a long time. Um, but anyway, he's, he's good with a basketball in his hands. So I'm so glad to be here today. I'm glad to be home. Uh, he was telling you that I am an evangelist. What that means is I'm on the road uh, just about every weekend. I'm traveling all over the United States, and I get to sing and preach in churches all over America. I'm a singer, too. Been performing in Pigeon Forge this year, 2024, actually starting in April, uh, is my it's my silver anniversary year. This is my 25th season performing in Pigeon Forge. I sing in a show called the American Oldies Show. We do classic oldies rock and roll and classic country. They actually call it golden oldies rock and roll. Anybody know what golden oldies rock and roll is? Wave at me like this. Yeah, the old people. There you go. But we do classic country music too. I said classic country because that's real country music, not this garbage they're playing today. Can I get an amen? Rednecks, that's what you are right there. But anyway, 20, and I'm also a singer-songwriter. I also do a lot of tour dates. I'm on the road as a Christian country music recording artist, about to release my first album in eight years. Uh, you got to look for that. It's called People Like Us. It was produced in Nashville by a couple of great guys, uh, People Like Us. Probably the best album I've ever done. A few of the songs I wrote are on there. And then in April, believe this or not, my first radio single is going to go out in April, my first radio single in 20 years. How about that? So it'll be played on the radio and um, Sirius XM. You'll hear it on there and stuff. But anyway, I'll tell you about the story in just a little bit, but I am so glad you are here today. We had two people pray and accept Jesus today. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that in the early service? Amen. 
But I like icebreakers, okay? I like icebreakers. I like to hear people laugh. I like to see people have fun at church. So you're going to do something right now. I am big on audience precipitation. I mean participation. So I'm just saying if you're awake, okay? So here's what you got to do right now. Everybody in the house, I want you to turn to the person on your right and say this to them. Say, you look absolutely marvelous this morning. Tell them that right now. And now, now I want you to look to the person on your left and say, pray for me. I just lied to the person sitting on my right. Feel good now? Good stuff. Got some friends here, some family here. Got a little granddaughter here. Hi, Brienne. Um, no, I love sharing my story. Uh, God has been so good to me, and uh, I've been a, a full-time evangelist now for this is my 20th year, and I would uh, be afraid to try to guess how many thousands of times that I've shared this story, uh, but I'll share it a thousand more because it seems like every time that we get to share this story of grace, we get to see people that surrender their heart to the Lord, and we get to see people saved. As I said, two people were saved in the early service, and that's why we do what we do. Uh, but anyway, we're going to jump right in. Um, uh, I am a, like I said, I'm a singer, songwriter, been doing this my whole life. I actually started singing uh, professionally when I was eight years old. I was raised singing in a family, a quartet with my dad, my brother, and my sister. And uh, I've been singing most of my life. How many of you remember a show that used to come on called Hee Haw? Anybody remember a show called Hee Haw? So on Hee Haw, there was this famous saying that they would say, and I want you to repeat this real loud. They would say this, they would say, I'm a pickin'. And I'm a grin, and there you go. Well, you're rednecks. I'm telling you right now. I'm right at home. Anyway, there was and there was a the Hee Haw TV show, but then in the 1980s there was a live production of the Hee Haw show in Pigeon Forge. It was like the Hee Haw Theater is what it was called. Had all the stars from the TV show: Archie Campbell, Grandpa Jones, Buck Owens, Roy Clark. So our family group that I sang in when I was eight years old, we would make guest appearances at the Hee Haw Theater in Pigeon Forge, and um. And so singing is really all I've ever known and being on stage and performing for people. I was raised singing in our family group. But when I was 19 years old, uh, I was listening to a country radio station and I heard a voice come over the country radio station that changed my life. And it literally had such an impact on me as a musician. I heard Brooks and Dunn for the first time singing the song Brand New Man. And I'm telling you, Ronnie Dunn, who does most of their singing, to me is the greatest singer that's ever lived. He's my favorite singer today. You know the song? I saw the light, I've been baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes. I'm born to love again. There you go, there you go. Well, I have to get the praise band to learn that, amen? No, we well, don't sing that in church. But I heard Ronnie Dunn singing Brand New Man, and I stopped, and I said, that's what I was born to do. And I really believe that God had put me on planet Earth to be a country music star. I went to my dad when I was 19 years old. I told my dad that I was leaving the family quartet and that I was going to pursue a career in country music. We put together a band here in East Tennessee with some friends. We started playing on all the local beer joints and honky-tonks. Every weekend, we developed a really big following and uh, got really popular in the area and uh, went in the studio. We actually did a, a demo tape in the studio. Now, this is back when you still did cassette tapes. Who remembers cassette tapes? Anybody remember cassette tapes? Let's go way back. Eight-track tapes, a few of you. Before eight tracks, you had the records, which was 
33, 78, and 45. You may remember that? Okay, does anybody go way back when you had reel-to-reel? This man right here is 812 years old this year, everybody. No, but reel-to-reel, that was when it was good. So anyway, we did a demo tape, a cassette tape, and I didn't really think much would happen with it, to be honest with you. I forgot about the demo tape. We continued to play on the weekends, forgot about the demo tape, and in 1993, I met this smoking hot chick by the name of Marianne. Wow. What's so funny? Is that okay? Can I growl at my wife? You know what the Bible says? The men, listen, men, the Bible says that our wives are a gift from God. When you find you a wife, you find a good thing. And I love my wife. I think she's smoking hot. And when I think about her, I say, oh. right? Is that okay? Matter of fact, I want every guy in the house but Savannah's boyfriend to look on the count of three, dudes, check this out. It's about to get real at Milestone Church. On the count of three, men, I want you to turn to your lady and I want you to say, hey, baby. One, two, three, go. Man. It's so spiritual in here right now, ain't it? But Marianne and I started dating. Some of you are thinking, who is this dude that Pastor Rob... Marianne and I started dating, and um, my band, we continued to play in the beer joints on weekends and honky-tonks, and then Marianne and I, we got married uh, December the 18th of, of 1994, which means last month, Marianne and I celebrated 29 years of marriage. How about that? There you go. I'm going to say that again because half of you didn't clap. That means last month, Marianne and I celebrated 29 years of marriage. How about that? We got married literally almost three months to the day after our wedding. I got a phone call that changed my life forever. And to this day, I don't know how it happened, but there was a booking agent in Orlando, Florida that got his hands on that demo tape that I had recorded over a year earlier. He got the demo tape. He called me at my home three months after my wedding. He says, is Kenny Evans? I said, it is. He told me who he was. He owned this booking agency in Orlando. This was the agency that booked all of the live shows at Walt Disney World Orlando, booked a lot of the major country music shows and festivals across America. He says, it's Kenny Evans. I said, it is. He said, I've got this tape of you singing. And he said, I would love to be your agent. He said, I would like to represent you exclusively. And I said, well, you got to tell me, now what's in this for me? He said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you'll sign a deal with me as your agent, he said, in two weeks, I'll have you in Greenville, South Carolina, opening up for Kenny Chesney. So, yeah, see this picture right here? Obviously, that's Kenny Chesney on the right. See the guy, skinny guy in the white cowboy hat? That picture was taken, I think, somewhere around 1997, I believe. That was on Kenny's bus after that show. So leave it up for just a second, please. By the way, can we give the band and the media team a great hand of appreciation for what they do every single week? 99% of the time, you don't even know they're back there working until something goes wrong. Can I get an amen? We really appreciate all of, that you guys are doing. This picture was taken in about 1997. The promoter of the show wanted to get the two Kennys together, both from East Tennessee. So Marianne took that picture. Now, I want you young people to listen to what I'm about to say, okay? All of us today, we've got these things called cell phones. 
and you can open up that camera app, and you can literally snap a picture and see it instantly. But you young people need to know there was a day when we did not have technology like this. We had to go and buy a yellow cardboard box with a crank on top of it, and that was called a camera. And when you would use that little yellow cardboard box, you would snap the button on top, and then there was a crank on the top, and you would have to go... (laughs) When the crank was... See, I saw... I see the moms and dads out there going, been there. You would crank it when the crank would stop. That means you was ready to snap picture number two. Now, this is the thing, though. You didn't see these pictures instantly. When the yellow cardboard camera got full, you had to take it and drop it off at a Photoshop or a Walmart, and it would take them sometimes a week and a half to two weeks to develop these pictures so you didn't know what was on it. So we had our little yellow cardboard box. Where's the picture at? Marianne took that picture, that picture, and after she took the picture, she said, Now, Kenny, I want you to take a picture of me and Kenny Chesney. I said, Well, get with him. So she got by Kenny Chesney. I took the the cardboard box and went snap. And we continued on. Then we took the yellow cardboard box camera to Walmart. We dropped it off. They said, you can see your pictures in about a week or so. We get back to Walmart. We're going through the pictures. That's a good picture. Oh, that's a good picture. That's a good picture. We get to this picture of me and Kenny Chesney. That's a good picture. The next picture was Kenny Chesney and my index finger. Yes, and Marianne has reminded me of that often about... Yeah, anyway. So I did, listen, my booking agent, he put me on the road. I was the opening act for Kenny Chesney, Toby Keith, Charlie Daniels, Billy Ray Cyrus, just about every country music star you can think of in the 90s. I worked with them. Some of them are still my friends. I did shows with Kenny Chesney. We found this picture, too, of a band. Uh, remember that song, Baby, I'm Amazed by You? That was a band called Lone Star. Where's that at? So that's us in Lone Star. That's my beautiful smoking hot wife in the middle. That's me in the red shirt. With hair. This was after this was on their bus after a show that we did together. Funny story. If you know my son Lane, then you know Lane is just a practical joker, right? So I put this picture on Facebook a year or so ago, and the only thing I said was this. I said, I am crazy in love with the smoking hot blonde in this picture. Lane literally crops Keach Rainwater's face out of that. That's their drummer, and puts it on the Facebook. Says, Dad, I'm really worried about you. But anyway, my career in country music began to take off. I worked with everybody, Kenny Chesney, Toby Keith, Charlie Daniels. The list goes on, and uh, my dreams were coming true. They assembled a team in Nashville uh, that was determined to make me the next country music star. How many of you remember a band called Sawyer Brown? Remember Sawyer Brown, anybody? So their founder and original uh, producer, Bobby Randall, was, became my producer. Do you remember Aaron Tippin? There ain't nothing wrong with the radio, number one hit. Aaron Tippin, Terry Brown, who worked on Aaron Tippin's management staff, Terry Brown became my personal manager. I signed with a new booking agent, the Cliff Doyle Agency. He had me. He had a band called Little Texas, a bunch of country music stars. So this team that they put together was determined to make me a country music star. And I stayed out on the road. My career was taken off. My dreams were coming true. And I was living the life. And i got to tell you something. I want you to hear this. Country music was my God. I worshipped it. I worshipped everything about it. I worshipped the live shows. I worshipped the business side of it. I worship the recording industry. It was my God. And I want to tell you something today. 
if the God of your life isn't the God of the Bible, if the God of your life isn't the God of this universe, your God will let you down. Your God will fail you. Country music was my God, and that God nearly cost me everything. I was on the road over 200 days a year, traveling all over America with my band. We would do shows, and sometimes after the shows, I would have promoters come up to me and say, now let's go out and let's have some drinks. Listen, I was raised in Lake City, Tennessee. Growing up, I didn't see much or didn't know much, but I was introduced to a world that I never knew existed. After shows, promoters would come up and say, now let's go out and have some drinks. And then the devil would whisper in my ear, you need to go drink with these men. These are the men that's going to make you famous. And I would go out and I would drink with promoters. One drink turned into two drinks, and two drinks turned into four drinks, and the, it got out of control. Before I knew it, literally every night, I was drinking, I was wasted, alcohol, drugs. I want to tell you something, friends. If you're not careful, alcohol can make you do things you swore you would never do. And it can turn you into a person that you never thought you would be. Before I knew it, I had become a drunk, a dopehead, and it was every night I was on the road. This is the crazy thing. Mary Ann, at this time, it was just uh, Mary Ann, Tyler, and then his younger brother, Lane. Mary Ann, she was at home raising my two boys, had no idea some of the stuff that was happening when I went on tour. She was being faithful to me, a great wife, a great mother raising our kids, and I was on the road every night, literally wasted. And there were a lot of nights I would get so drunk I couldn't tell you my name. I would, some days I would wake up, didn't know where I was at. And every night, the devil would say, you need to party with these people. You need them in your corner. They're going to make you famous. And I became a person that I never wanted to be. And my life was out of control. This is the crazy thing. I would go on the road for five or six weeks at a time. Every night, I was, I was getting drunk. I was getting high. Uh, the crazy thing is this, is I would do that for five or six weeks, then I would come home for four or five days, and everything was okay. Then I would go back out on tour, and it was every night. I was a drunk, a dopehead. One thing you'll know about me when I share my story, I try to be very transparent. I cheated on my wife. My life was falling apart. If you're not careful, these things can make you become who you don't want to be. And they make you do what you never thought you would do. And it was every night for me. I'll never forget my booking agent called me up. And um, he said, Kenny, you're booked to do a show in uh, Valdosta, Georgia. This was the new year of 1998. They booked this big concert. So I went down to Valdosta, Georgia, the new year of 1998. We did this show. I was drunk the whole weekend, messed up. But after we did the show and after that weekend was over, we were headed home uh, uh, and driving up Interstate 75. I'll never forget this. I was laying in the back seat of a minivan. Don't know who was driving, but laying in the back seat of a minivan all by myself. It's the first time I can remember the Holy Spirit of God showing me how ugly and how nasty the sin in my life was. For the first time, I recognized that I was a lost man on my way to a devil's hell, and I needed Jesus. I was lost 
without hope. Now listen to me, dear friends. Some of you need to hear this. I was raised singing in a family gospel group. I knew every gospel song you could sing. I could quote verses of Scripture, but I had never come to a place in my life where I surrendered my life to Jesus and made Him the Lord of my life. And I'm here to tell you, you can be a good person. You can serve people. You can come to church every single day. But those things are not the things that's going to get you to heaven. The only way to heaven is to allow Jesus to change your life. I knew in my heart I was lost. Did you know there's a lot of people in church today that are going to miss heaven by 18 inches? I had a head knowledge of Jesus. I knew the songs, knew the Bible verses. I had the head knowledge, but I did not have a heart knowledge because I had never surrendered and made Him Lord. And in the back of that minivan, God showed me, Kenny, you're lost. You've been playing games. And you need to be born again. And deep down in my heart, would you hear me? I recognized that my life was falling apart. I recognized that I was a drunk. I was a dopehead. I was a cheater. I was a liar. I was all of those things. And in my soul, I had become who I never wanted to be. And in my soul, I wanted Jesus. But I also knew this. In order for me to get things right with God, I was going to have to get things right with my wife. And remember, she didn't know this stuff. I was on the road living like the devil while she was at home faithfully raising my children. I got home from this trip. You know, it's amazing at times how God will just open the door for some things to happen. Got home from this trip I had been on. We put Tyler and Lane to bed. About 11 o'clock at night, we were sitting in our living room, and um, Marianne looked at me. And she said, Kenny, are you okay? She said, you look like something's wrong. I said, Marianne, there's a whole lot wrong. She said, what do you mean? And I looked at her. I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm about to break your heart. She said, what do you mean? I seen tears well up in her eyes. She said, what is it? And in our living room that night, I confessed everything to my wife. I told her about the alcohol, the drugs, the adultery. I told her about everything. And I seen so much hurt in her eyes that all I could do, I fell to my knees and I buried my face in the palms of my hands and I just began to weep. And I expected my wife, I did, I expected her to say, get out, you don't live here anymore. I expected her to say, call your lawyer, I'm calling mine, it's over. I literally, I did, I expected to be a divorced man. I literally laid all that trash out before her. She had done nothing, and I laid all this out, and I fell to my knees. I don't know how long it took, but it felt like in the blink of an eye, Marianne's arms were around me as I was weeping, as she was weeping, and I heard these words. She said, I love you, and I forgive you. And I'm thinking, did I just hear this? She said, I forgive you. She said, let's make this marriage work. Friends, it's the first time in my life that I ever truly understood grace. I've said this a thousand times. Grace, when it comes to God, grace is when He gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when He holds back what we do deserve. And I'm so thankful for grace and mercy. 
And my wife said, I forgive you. Let's make it work. And I looked at Marianne with both of us weeping, and I said, honey, I said, that sounds so good. I said, but the only way that this will ever be what it needs to be is I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I'm lost. I said, I need Jesus. Our home will never be what it should be without Jesus. Our marriage will never be what it needs to be without Jesus. I need Jesus. We went to church the next Sunday morning, Beach Park Baptist Church in Oliver Springs. And uh, I'll be honest with you, on that morning, I don't remember what the preacher was saying, but I'll never forget what they sang when it came time for the invitation. They sang a song that goes like this. Without Him I could do nothing. Without Him I'd surely fail. Without Him I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. The chorus goes like this. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know Him today? Do not turn Him away, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. Without Him, how lost I would be. And as they sang those words in that moment, just being real with you today, I was literally standing in the middle of the church, but I was on the outside of the pew. Now remember, I had stood before thousands of people and did country music concerts. But in that church that morning, in front of just a few hundred people, I was a nervous wreck. Because I knew in my heart that I needed to step forward to surrender to Jesus. And I said, God, I need some help here. And I let go of that pew and when my feet hit the aisle, this may sound weird, that's okay. When my feet hit the aisle of that church, it literally felt like I was carried to the altar. I never felt my feet hit the floor, but when I came to the altar that day, I fell on my face before God. Now listen, I hadn't been to church in years, didn't know a whole lot of Bible, but I fell on my face that day, and I said, God, here I am. I said, I am a train wreck. I'm a drunk, I'm a dopehead, I'm a cheater, I'm a liar, I'm everything you're not supposed to be. I said, but God, if you'll have me, here I am. I said, I need help. And this is what I said. I said, God, I'm begging you, please change my life. Please change my heart. Please change me. And on that day, in 1998, I got saved and I've never been the same. And I want to tell you something, friends. When He saves you, He changes you. Can you say amen? I have a lot of people today that will ask me, Kenny, how do you know you got saved? Well, I'm not perfect. Trust me, I'm not perfect. That's Mary Ann. But I will tell you this. I know I'm a saved man because I'm a changed man. Do I deserve it? I do not. It's grace that saved me. Ephesians 2 says we're saved by grace through faith. I don't deserve it, but He changed me. My life verse, now listen, my life verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17. The Bible says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, a new creation. The old things passed away, and behold, all things have become new. There are several passages of Scripture that confirm this, but this passage confirms for you. Would you look at me? If you truly got saved, you got changed. Where there is no change, there is no Jesus. 
It really bothers me. I'm no man's judge, but it bothers me when some people look at me and say, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, but they live like the devil. My Bible would say something different. My Bible would say when you get saved, you get changed. Now, does that mean you'll be perfect? Absolutely not. But the world will see a change in you. You know what? You know the greatest compliment Marianne has ever paid me? Believe it or not, she don't brag on my hair much. The greatest compliment she's ever paid me is when she looked at me and she said, Kenny, I can tell you're a saved man. I said, how can you tell that? She's because you're not the man that you used to be. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I want to ask you something this morning, friends. Now listen. Do you remember when He changed you? I'm not asking you, do you remember what day of the week it was? I'm not asking you if you remember the calendar date. But can you go back to that time in your life when Jesus changed you? And I'm just going to get right up in your grill. That's okay. I would say this, if you cannot remember the time when He changed you, there's a good chance you never got saved. Well, Kenny, that's awful judgmental. You know it's not. I can prove that. Every person in this room, every person in the overflow room, and every person alive today, we all have things in our life we'll never forget. I remember when my children were born. Do you remember when your kids were born? How about it, huh? Do you remember your high school graduation? Huh? Some of us, we will never forget that ball game. Birthday parties, ball games, anniversaries. We all have things that we'll never forget, and some of these things we can relive in detail. Let me ask you a question. If you can remember ball games, birthdays, graduation, the birth of your children, if you remember all those things, but you can't remember the greatest thing that could ever happen to you, being set free by Jesus, you can't remember that? Dear friend, I don't know if it ever happened. I know I'm saved because I'm changed. And I want to ask you, do you remember when He changed you? And if you can't remember that, don't leave today without surrendering your life to Jesus. Be the greatest decision you could ever make. You see, there's another reason I know I'm saved. You don't hear this a lot in church. But I also know I'm a saved man. Listen close. Because I can't sin and get away with it anymore. When I sin, it bothers me. And when I sin, I hate it. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12. Throw that up. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 8 says, But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, it says, then you are legitimate and not sons. Can I tell you what this verse is teaching you and I? I'm not your judge. All I can tell you is what the good book says. And the good book says this, if the sin in your life don't bother you, if you can go on sinning and feel no conviction, there's no heartbreak, the Bible says if you can sin and it not bother you, you're lost and you've never been saved. Don't come up to me after church pointing your finger, Kenny, how could you say that? I didn't say it. God said it. He put it in Hebrews chapter 12. If sin don't bother you, you're lost. Don't care how many times you come to church. You can be here every Sunday morning. You can play in a band. You can work media. You can make coffee. You can do all of those things which are good things. But if you've not been changed, and if the sin in your life don't bother you, you need to get saved today. 
I'm a saved man, not because I deserve it. I don't. I'm saved by grace. But I can stand before God and tell you today that I'm not the man that I used to be. He changed me. And the sin that's in my life, I hate it. Do you remember when He changed you? If you can't remember, dear friend, today's your day to be saved. Does the sin in your heart bother you? If sin don't bother you, today is your day to get saved. Jesus changed my life, restored my marriage. I continue to stay out on the road with my band. Continue to do dates. Everybody saw the change that Jesus made in me and thank God for it. Amen. Something happened in August of 1999 that changed my life. My booking agent called me up. And he said, Kenny, you're booked to do a show at the Fort Randall Casino in Wagner, South Dakota. Big casino out there, scheduled to do a concert out there. Picked up my band in Nashville. I was driving a conversion van. If you don't know what a conversion van is, it's like a little house on wheels. It's got a bed in the back, a television, a refrigerator. They told us they had all the big sound equipment out there. All we needed was guitars, drums, and all that stuff. So I got a big conversion van, pulled in the trailer, picked up all of my band members. It took us two days. We left Nashville, spent the night in Kansas City, Missouri, got up in Kansas City. We drove all the next day to get to Wagner, South Dakota. As we're coming into Wagner, South Dakota that night, I was about 10 miles from my hotel. We were going to check into our hotels that night, sleep all night, get up the next day and do the show. Anyway, the day we were coming into town, there was a 19-year-old young man that worked for his father's construction company. He got off work at about 4 o'clock, and him and a bunch of his buddies, they decided they were going to start drinking and partying after work. And they drank all day long and got so drunk that he was afraid that he was going to go to jail if he was caught drinking and driving. This 19-year-old young man that got drunk that day, 11 o'clock, I was coming into town. He decided he was going to try to make it home at 11 o'clock. Listen with no headlights on. I'm driving 70 miles an hour into town. He's driving 70 miles an hour coming out of town. And at 11 o'clock that night, that 19-year-old young man, he came into my lane. And I was in a head-on collision that nearly killed me and my entire band. And this is what I was driving. Leave that up for just a second. I don't know if you can see this or not, but there's an indention that starts right here in the steering wheel. It goes kind of sideways. You see that where it's dark? The drunk driver's body made that indention in that windshield. You know what they say? They say when you're drunk, you're limber, and you usually walk away. True story. He was ejected through his windshield, bounced off my windshield. They found him in a ditch with a cut on his ear. Now listen to this. When they finally got to us, now listen, people ask me today, do you remember this? He had no headlights on. To this day, I still don't remember seeing this guy. All I remember is we were driving down the highway. <laughs> it's just really what happened. We're driving down the highway, and my guitar player had a guitar out, chunking on a guitar, singing that song, You and me going fishing in the dark. Remember that song? So we're just jamming going down the highway. The next thing I know, I'm waking up being crushed by a steering wheel. I was driving. I wake up, and I'm spitting out glass from the windshield, spitting out pieces of my teeth, spitting out blood, didn't know where I was at, didn't know what had happened. When they finally got me to the, uh, to the uh, hospital that night, they found out I'd suffered a lacerated liver. 
I had internal injuries and almost died of internal injuries. I didn't get to share this in the early service because, you know, we're on a time crunch in the early service, but Pastor Rob said I've got till 2 o'clock today, so we're good. <laughs> I didn't get, no, this is no joke, and Marianne could probably correct some of this. This was before cell phones. All we had was, remember beepers? You look down. Again, the funniest thing was this. You look down at your beeper, and it was just a bunch of numbers. It was code for something. Remember, you had to go to the phone down. You're like, let's see, two, one. Oh, I love you too, right? So my, all you had was beepers, right? So we're, this happened at about 11 o'clock. Marianne was at home uh, in Oliver Springs, and I think at about 2 a.m., she gets a phone call. Now, check this out. She gets a phone call from the highway department, and all they can say is this, Miss Evans, there's been a terrible accident, and your husband's been involved. And this is what they said. They said, we know there's been one person killed, but we don't know who. 2 o'clock in the morning. She sits from 2 o'clock in the morning till about 7 a.m. not knowing anything else, well, finally, they call back and they say, well, we know now that nobody's dead, but your husband is en route to the Yankton, South Dakota Hospital by ambulance. She has family members, friends, everybody throwing money at her saying, get on an airplane and get out there. So my wife, who was 25 at the time maybe, boards an airplane in Knoxville, flies all the way to the other side of the country, lands in Sioux City, Iowa, rents a car, drives 100 miles from Sioux City, Iowa to Yankton, South Dakota. True story. When they got me to the hospital, they, they actually uh, uh, the, when they, the doctor called her, this is what the doctor said, I'm laying on a gurney. Do you know how sometimes people can just do stupid stuff? Raise your hand if you've ever done something stupid. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did something stupid because you've done something stupid. So the doctor calls her. I'm laying on a gurney strapped down. They've already run the scans on me. The doctor calls her, and I'm literally this close to the doctor. And there's a hallway that's five miles long, but he decides to call her standing that close to me. He says, ma'am, this is Doc such and such. He said, your husband's got a lacerated liver. If we can't get the bleeding to stop, he's going to die. And I'm laying there like, hello. <laughs> I'm right here, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, you dummy. Tell her that down the hallway, you know. But I, they get me to my room. They find out that I've got these major internal injuries. They give me pain medicine. I fall asleep. I wake up the next morning at 10 a.m. to the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, Marianne sitting right beside of me. And she sat there beside of that bed for days as I recovered. We're almost done. Hang with me, okay? In that van that night, the steering wheel was crushing me. I had internal injuries that I almost died from. My drummer was sitting in the passenger seat over here. The CB radio on impact, the CB radio hit him in the face and cut his nose off. In some vehicles, you got what they call a bench seat where three or four people can sit, but there was captain's chairs in the middle of this van, a captain's chairs for one person. So in this captain's chair behind me was my rhythm guitar player. He didn't have a seat belt on. On impact, he was thrown into the back of my seat. His face hit the back of my head, knocked out all of his teeth, broke all of his ribs. But then there was another captain's chair right over here beside, behind the passenger. Now, remember where you're at, okay? 
South Dakota, drunk driver, 11 o'clock at night. Two weeks before this, we were on tour in Fort Lauderdale. We had a couple days off. Me and my lead guitar player went to the laundromat one day because we was on the road. Now, listen, all of the guys in my band were good dudes. They were good dudes. Being a good dude, look at me, won't get you to heaven, only the blood of Jesus. Hey, being a good chick <laughs> ain't going to get you to heaven. You need the blood of Jesus. But I asked my guitar player that day in that laundromat, I shared with him what Jesus had done for me. I told him how Jesus saved me, changed me, set me free. And I asked him if he would like to pray and give his life to Jesus. He was a good dude, but he said, no, I'd rather not. I don't believe in religion. I said, well, if you ever want to do it, find me. He said, I'll talk to you. Now, two weeks later, he was sitting in the captain's chair behind the passenger seat. There was a wooden table beside of his seat, a square ta uh, table that you could put soft drinks in. On impact, he was thrown into that table. The far corner of that wooden table grabbed him above the left ear, and that wooden table literally ripped the whole top of his head off, completely scalped him, and broke his neck. Two weeks earlier, he said no to Jesus. Now, friends, when I woke up that night, I woke up in that van. I'm going to tell you what woke me up. What woke me up was the most horrific screaming I'd ever heard in my life. When I woke up, I didn't know where I was at. Didn't remember seeing the drunk driver. All I seen was a windshield in millions of pieces. I was struggling to breathe, but I heard screaming like I had never heard before. And I turned around and looked, and my lead guitar player was laying in the floor of the van, the whole top of his head gone, laying in a big puddle of blood. Now look at me. He was kicking his legs like he was being electrocuted. And all I could think about was two weeks earlier, he said no to Jesus. And I knew in that moment, if he takes his last breath right here, he will spend eternity separated from God. Some preachers, for some reason, are scared to death to say the word hell in church on Sunday mornings. But I'm here to tell you there is a very real place called hell. The Bible calls it the lake of fire. It's called a place where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, a place where the worm dieth not. Jesus said it's a place of eternal damnation where the fires will never be quenched. If you leave this world without Jesus, you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's not my word. That's God's word. And I knew, had my friend brought his last breath in that van, that's where he would spend eternity. And I cried out to God that day. I said, oh God, please show him mercy. Give him another chance. I could not stand the thought of my friend separated from God for all of eternity. And God heard my prayer. Everybody that was in that accident that night is alive today. I don't know that they ever got saved. I don't know. Just a few months later, I surrendered to the Lord, and God called me to serve Him in the ministry. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're not certain that you're saved and that Jesus is the Lord of your life, don't you leave this place without making sure Jesus is the Lord of your life. You've heard it for years. Preachers have been saying, well, time is short. Time is short. I believe more than ever that time is short. And today is the day of salvation. Turn on the news, people. Hello. Jesus is coming soon. I will never be as famous as I would have been had I stayed in the country music business. 
I'll never have as much money as I would have had. But the Bible says don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay your treasures up in heaven. I've got a family that I would have never had. I've got peace that I would have never had. And I want to tell you something today. Would you look at me, everybody here? It is so much fun serving Jesus. Can I just say this? It is a stinking blast to be a part of God's family. Regardless of what some people say, hey, you can, you can live for Jesus and still have a good time. I do it every day. I get to take my pastor fishing and whip his hind in on the back. You know what I'm saying? That's a blast. But can I ask you this morning, look at me. Do you remember when he changed you? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away, and behold, all things are become new. Would you ask yourself this question? Does the sin in your heart bother you? Hebrews 12, 8. That if you're without chastisement, you're illegitimate and not sons. If the sin in your heart don't bother you, dear friend, you need to get saved today. You need to hear this today. This is not about a religion. It's about a relationship with King Jesus. He loves you. He wants to set you free. And the good news is He'll do it. Can you remember when He changed you? If you can't remember, today is your day to be saved. Does the sin in your heart bother you? If it doesn't, today is your day to be saved. One last question. Are you absolutely positive if your heart stopped beating right now, do you know you'd go to heaven? And if you can't say yes like that, there's a problem. And that problem might just be that you need to be saved. I want to make one thing crystal clear. I'm not talking about rededication. People all the time come up and say, I rededicated my life. Do I believe in the biblical concept of rededication? Absolutely. But you can't rededicate something that's never been dedicated. I'm talking about getting saved, set free, born again, and King Jesus is waiting to do that for you. And I would love to welcome you to this beautiful family of God. He's waiting. Every head bowed, every eye closed.